What's up, Hot Breath of Verse? We're back. You know what time it is. Hot Breath. I know if you're listening to this, you're a loyal listener. Who knows the spiel at this point? This is another exciting piece of content. If you can't tell, I have been rolling out just as much content as possible, connecting with as many of you as possible. And those of you that have reached out, I greatly appreciated it. This episode today is actually a Q&A interview I did on IG Live with Hot Brethren Gio Perez. He's out in Alabama. Shout out to all the listeners we have out in Alabama. It is greatly appreciated right next door here to Georgia. But I got to say, anybody else interested in doing this, holla at your boy. I mean, we did this at like... Yeah, after he got off work, it was late, but we still stayed up. We had some technical issues along the way, but overall, good interview, a lot of good insight into comedy. I would love to do this with more of you, or if there's something in here you like to want to hear more about, please feel free to reach out on social media or whatnot. Um, his Instagram is geoperez86, G-E-O-P-E-R-E-Z-8-6, if you want to connect with him. You know, a big goal of mine with Hot Breath is to be building a network. So you all connecting with each other is a great way we're going to be able to build this up together. So that's how we can make the network work. You dig? So I hope you find this valuable. It is a very substantial interview. A lot of good insight. We explore a lot of different topics that I think you'll find valuable. So I hope it's helpful. I posted a tight five this week about performing when you don't feel like it. That's That was posted the previous episode here. So um, I'm trying to roll out as many helpful pieces of content as possible to really what it boiled down to was so many people are trying comedy now. It's like, how can I help people suck less at comedy? So uh, that's kind of... Um, become a mission is if so many people because comedy is booming so if more and more people are wanting to do comedy well let's help there become the best quality of comedy possible so that's where we're at i hope this answers some of your questions in this interview geo's a newer comic with a lot of insightful questions i answered things i had never heard before said things i had never said before that i found very valuable so i hope you do as well if you would like to do something like this don't hesitate to reach out seriously you know where we're at hot breath pod on all social media thank you so much for the support it really does not go unappreciated or unnoticed people that support like you is really how we're building this network together because it really is a collaborative effort is the only way we're going to help to build this into what i think we all believe is possible so i appreciate it all the time you're spending with us. So now, without further ado, I present to you, Gio Perez. Ooh. I was surprised. I didn't mess it up, man. We made it. Thanks for having me, Gio. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, all right. Hopefully, I learned something from you, man, because you're, you're the guy that's been doing, actually does the podcast and also has a podcast class that yeah. you are actually. No doubt. Yeah, pod- podcast is booming, man. You got to get in the game. All right. So what got you into doing the Well, ATL Comedy is so dope. Uh, shout out to Rodney Perry, who just jumped yeah, in. Know. He's actually been on the podcast. Um, yeah, 
You're bringing in the heavy hitters. It, uh, Atlanta Comedy... Yeah, and feel free to comment with questions too, peeps. But Atlanta Comedy had people... Uh, we had 10 comics on Last Comic Standing. So... Right. They, uh, and then the previous year, one of, from Atlanta had won. So there were 11 comics from Atlanta that were like on this big stage. And I was like, man, let me interview them. So... It started out as profiling Atlanta comedy, and it's since grown into just comedy mastery. Yeah. So how long how long have you been doing it? You got about like 150 plus. How long is that? Like like two years? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been almost three actually. Cause for, for I ju- I dropped those couple the a summer three years ago, and then I didn't drop any for a little while because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But now they've been like every Monday at 8 a.m. for a couple of years solid now, like weekly. All right. Now, like you were talking about, like Atlanta um, comedy. Have you done oh, you southeast c- and stuff like that? Oh, you kind of cut out there. Were you asking if I had been around the southeast? No, like I haven't been out there yet. I'm. I'm going to be out there the, the last the end of this month. Yeah, the 24th, um, right? But, like, from what I hear, one place is to do comedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. There, you can get on stage every single night here in Atlanta, which is, I think, why the scene is so strong is because people are performing every single night. And that's what it takes. That's what comedy takes is living on stage. Your stage time, right? So how long, how long have you been hitting those stage for? How many years you got in? Oh man, uh, February 1st will be nine years, so about eight years and maybe like eight months, I don't even know math, I went liberal arts, I don't know math like that, but it's been it's been a nice little clip, but in the perspective of doing this the rest of my life, I'm barely scratching the surface, you know? Yeah, what, what got you into comedy, what brought you in? I mean, it's something I always wanted to do, I'd always had a passion for it since the watching Sinbad's Afro and Bell Bottoms all the way back then. I've been a fan of comedy, but um, I decided to actually pursue comedy my senior year of college when I was like, well, I have nothing to lose. I lost all my money, so might as well chase the dream. And it's, it's, it's a hustle, man. It's a grind. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be a full-time comedian now, but man, that's, it's dishwashing, and I worked as a hotel mini bar attendant, and like it's, I mean, it's a grind, but it's worth it. Yeah. So like, what, what, what drove you to that first one? It was like, when, like that first open mic. What took you there? Yeah, well, I was up in school in a over by Knoxville, and I knew Knoxville had a comedy club, so I just went on their website, saw when they did open mics, and just signed up for really the next one I could get on, like. It's one thing to think, I'm, I want to do comedy. So you can walk around all day, oh, I want to do comedy, I want to do comedy. But to actually take the action to pursue it, that's when it becomes real. So when I found the open mic, set the date, and told my friends, and I had that accountability, from then on, it was like, well, I got to do it now. I said I would. Oh, and I went to Maryville College. Uh, Shannon Fain was asking. Uh, Maryville College, just for the... Maryville so you're from Atlanta, and you went to school in Tennessee and did your first open mic in Tennessee. Yeah, it was second semester of my senior year, so like they did open mics like twice a month. So I did a couple right. shows while up there, but when I got back to Atlanta, it was on, just pretty much nightly. 
just on nice. stage. Yeah, yeah. So when you've been on the grind since you started, you've been you've been on that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm a student. I'm still a student. That's why I do my podcast because I like learning from these people I'm mm -hmm. interviewing. And the number one piece of advice I always always heard was you got to stay on stage. You got to stay on stage. So that's the one thing I've taken to heart. That's what I tell younger comics when they ask for advice. Live on that stage, man. Comedy is a language. And the only way to truly learn it is by exercising it on that stage. Yeah, that's 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 kind of how I started. Like I did like two, and I found out that I was like, wow, there's an open mic here now. There's an open mic there. I was bouncing between Huntsville, Birmingham, sometimes Tuscaloosa to try to get in like four or five times a week. Um, yeah, man. I doubled up, triple lucky. Um, but that, like a lot of people, I, was, I tell them stage time because like somebody at me was like do you think you're fun and i'm like well i'm, I'm right no, no, I just, do you think you're fun like see yourself and i'm like i want to do comedy all you got to do is learn how to be yourself on stage uh-huh it's like be yourself and the way you're going to get comfortable it's also, what I've done is not try to get too comfortable in one room. Oh, for I bounce sure. around like in different rooms and stuff like that as much as I can. Because um, I feel it's like almost like at work, you know, like at first when you go to work, you're kind of shy, you're quiet. And after a while, you know, you open up a little bit. Yep. So I feel like if when you're in the same room, you obviously get you're instantly comfortable once you're there. So around going to distance me out of my comfort zone. Oh, dude, I would perform everywhere, anywhere, 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 dude. I, if it's in front of white people, black people, no people, I was living on stage, man. Don't don't get comfortable in front of just one audience, dude. You, yeah, you have to perform everywhere. That's a good habit to have early on, seriously. Because that's something a lot of comics... So, what was your first open mic? What were you saying? No, I was going to say that's what a, a lot of younger comics... Once they get comfortable in a space, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'll just stay here." But once you're comfortable, you gotta you gotta keep staying uncomfortable, man. That's how you learn. But that yeah. first open mic was. That's an ex. Yeah, what's your Wi-Fi? You keep you, you're no, choppy, no, man. No, I was saying your your Wi-Fi is a little choppy. I didn't know if you're on Boost Mobile over there or what. I didn't know what. I'm on uh, your neighbor's Wi-Fi. I'm with an antenna circling my apartment right now, Coleman. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, got Dan Olsen in the building. Shout out to Dan Olsen. Oh, Have dope. you ever uh, met? He's a uh, he's a comedian from Kentucky. Have you ever met Dan Olsen? Nah, man. Nah. What's up, Dan? Oh, he's been on here, on, right? On yeah, he was actually, I clicked this by accident, but I'm just saying shout out. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> at least you were honest, man. <laughs> I clicked this by accident. You should hang out, man. Talking good comedy shop. Oh, paused due to poor connection. But uh, you were saying about the, your first open mic. Yeah, it was in the it was a Side Splitters Comedy Club in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, which is now closed. But uh, they had a side room where they would do 
smaller shows. So it was just like a small stage in the corner of a room. Probably like seven people, maybe, in, um, including the staff. Not many people there. But all I really remember is people politely smiling. Like, I didn't really get any laughs, but they were supportively smiling. And I was like, hey, that's enough for me. I'm cool with that. <laughs> But once you do it once, it's ah, you're on, dude. You got the bug. I've been, I was hooked from day one for sure. Yeah, I, I think I had like four people. Word. Like four people. I was in front of four people, and uh, I, I, I think I made each of them laugh once. So I was just like, all right, there's something here. Yes. And then I, I went and like took the stuff that they laughed at, dropped everything else. And then, because I went in with like at least five stuff, I always wrote jokes. So I went in with the material. And then I did the start on small room, the, the competition, uh -huh. and won. Dropped, literally just used what made those what made those four people laugh and rehearsed the shit out of it. Like at work, was pacing mm -hmm. word for word, like actions. It, I started off weak because I, I actually added an intro, a new intro, and it was horrible. It was just like. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this, so I'm like, I was like, yo, this, I'm gonna kill it with this, and it just got no last. But then the stuff that I did rehearse after that, like the actual jokes, got me through, and then that was that was fucking like crack. Oh yeah, dude, I was word for word like rehearsing, pacing, you know, the whole nine. I had a book that was called "A Step by Step to Stand Up" by Greg Dean, which is. It's a good comedy writing book, man. It really breaks down the one-liner and how to like misdirect, which is really at the root of every joke, is that mm -hmm. misdirect. So it really gave me... I used to be a one-liner comic, so kind of learning the, uh, I guess, almost like the mechanism of a joke has helped me to expand my uh, skill overall. But I think starting with how a joke actually works, and that book was a great way to do that. But I was pacing. I read that whole book and was just... Constantly just is just saying it out loud over and over and over again everywhere I was going. And so when I hit that stage, I was on like robot mode. You know, I was just reciting what I had rehearsed. Not in the moment, just seeing people smiling, but just talking regardless of what was happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you drink? Did you take a couple? Did you have like a drink or anything? Nah, nah. That was always, that was another thing I had like read early on is that like, if you, if you like, get inebriated in any way before you go up, that can become, like, a crutch for people. Or, yeah. and like, I mean, you see, I mean, you see people in the scene, they become alcoholics because they're doing shows in bars all the time. They end up drinking one, one turns into two, and then two turns into your through. You know, you don't want to, I never wanted that to be the reason I did well on stage. Because, mm -hmm. like. Even the few times I have drank some, I've never performed drunk, but even like the few times I've maybe drank a little bit before and it and it went well, I would be like, yeah, but that was because of the alcohol. It wasn't because of me. So it always kind of takes away my gratitude for the performance if I'm inebriated anyway. So I don't, yeah, I don't really mess with that. Mm -mm. Yeah, like I got, I, I, uh, I was stumbling my first time because I got drunk. I actually stopped drinking because of all the open mics I was going to. I was like, I can't drink every day. My stomach was burning. And I was just like, <laughs> so literally, I'm like, all right, I'm going to just drink Red Bulls. <laughs> so I was drinking that. My stomach got worse. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, yeah, so now it's just fucking nothing. <laughs> I like four or five hours of sleep. Because, you know, I work, you know, six six days a week. Yeah, and, where, what's your what's your hustle, man? Well, I work at a, a Honda plant. Okay, Honda cool. Right now. Yeah, yeah. But they moved me to night shifts a month ago, so that just killed all my stage time. So I started my own open mic on Sundays on my day off. Smart. Uh, uh, but I'm going back to mornings the week of Thanksgiving. So in about two weeks, I'm going back to mornings, and uh, I'm getting back on my grind, man. Yeah, I recommend any comic host a show, dude, because you get that much more stage time mm-hmm. when you're hosting. You know, you get stage time opening up the show, and then throughout, you know, you don't want to be what they call a host liner, where yeah. you're doing 15 minutes in between each comic, but you do get that extra stage time where you can even react to something that happens in the room or whatever, and like, mm-hmm. you know, I hosted my show here for eight years before the venue got new management and owners and like put a kibosh on all their like they rebranded don't even do like live stuff anymore but hosted for like eight years and i've learned the most from just hosting a show whether it is just an appreciation for how much work running a show actually is but meeting other comics and you can be like hey i host this show i'll i'll do yours you do mine type deal but then even just the actual skill of comedy in terms of you find your voice faster because you develop a rapport with an audience because you, you're there every week. You're interacting with people. It, it forces you to be more in the moment and not so rehearsed. And that's why hosting, I recommend for all comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know what I love about hosting too? My favorite thing is um, my biggest thing is when I got off the stage and I forgot something, it would bug me until I got back on stage. Yep. Oh, yeah. And it's always right after you get off stage where you remember, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think time has closed up a little bit again. Yeah, but the, the fact that I can go back and forth, um, kind of go back up. And like you said, react to the room. I love doing callbacks mm-hmm. to other comedians. And if I go on early on in the show, I miss out on all of that. I'm like, oh, man, I could have said this i could have said that and when i'm hosting it's just like a comedian says something i'm like all right i'm gonna just say that one thing introduce the next person because I've, I've been told about that host minded thing to get on the set between yeah it's a, set in between comments. it's a fine line my man it's a it's a fine line but it's also like you you gate you read the room too you know what are they responding to if that comedian if the comedian that went up didn't do so well which on an open mic statistically not everybody's gonna do well you know maybe that's your time to interject your own material or if they did a marriage joke and then you're like oh I had this marriage joke I could jump off of that on really quick like there's there's a definite kind of ebb and flow to a show even the running order of the show you know when you're actually booking a show open mic is more free range but like. There's a science to actually running an efficient show. Right, yeah. yeah I, that's what eventually I want to start dabbling, doing actual feature shows and stuff like that. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, but, like, right now, I'm going to just, you know, I'm, I don't want to start doing too much. Because I, I have that uh, thing where, like, I can learn to ride a street bike right now. You teach me how to do the basics and go back and forth on the street. By next week, I'm going to try to do it with you. <laughs> I'll crash. You know what I mean? I'll get road rash and all that stuff, but I'm just that. I'm like, all right, 
instead of like, all right, take it slow, learn the fundamentals and basics. I'm like, no, oh, you know, like I started comedy February. Like, yeah, hey, let me just fucking start going out of town now. Let me start an open mic now. Let me start doing this now. I, just, I mean, it's it, it's a good and a bad thing, but it's more I get more good out of it than the bad. I know I I, I rub some people the wrong way, but at the same time, uh, I get I get along with most of most of the comics out here, and I I, I feel like if I work hard enough, you know what I mean, like they'll look past. A lot of the dumb mistakes I made, which is like, look at this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like, you get that rookie. Like, you, you, you're a veteran comedian, so you see a lot of stuff that, like, younger comedians or, or newer comedians do. And just like, yeah, give him some time. He'll learn. We all do it, man. We've all done it, you know. And, and the you know, I've done over 150 interviews on the podcast. And, like, the number one thing that has been universal is, like, just be cool. Don't be annoying. Don't be nagging people about spots. Just work hard and be cool, and you will get taken care of. Period. I'm t- that's like been one of the biggest takes away, takeaways from all the interviews I've done. Just be cool. Be a cool coworker. You know what I mean? Like it's a work. It's a workplace. Treat it like such. Don't be annoying. You know, just be cool, and then be funny. Yeah. And all will take care of itself. And like you said, you're early on. But people can see at least the potential. They can see, oh, I've seen him three weeks in a row and he's tried new tags every week. Like, he's, you're not just there wasting time. You're there to honor the craft of comedy. And the right people will notice that. Yeah. No, well, it, it wasn't like that. It was, it was uh, <laughs> I didn't even say his name. It was Scott Eason. <laughs> was like, oh, yeah, from Hun- he's in Huntsville, right? Yeah. Yeah, he does he epic. Was, it wasn't that. He, he just said, he's like, dude. He's like, you don't have to go to every single open mic. He's like, come out. He's like, come out when you want to try new stuff. He's like, he's like, coming. He's like, coming out to open mic and just to come and you're not trying new things. He's like, he's like, you're saving yourself and other people the headache. Yeah. And then I took it to heart. And after that, when he told me that, I was like, I'm not going to an open. I'm still gonna go to every open mic, but I'm not going up there unless I have something new to try out. Mm. And it made me fucking my writing, like go from second to like fifth gear within two weeks because that shit hit hard. It was mm. just like, you know, uh, don't just be up here wasting time. Like it is, yes. it is good to get stage time, but don't just be coming up here to repeat the same bullshit. Yeah, he's a good guy to listen to, man. He runs one of the hottest shows in the country. That Epic Comedy Hour is no yeah. joke, dude. He has seen every comedian under the sun. So, yeah, any advice you can absorb from people like that, you definitely want to take it to heart. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you ever get to a point where you were doing um, open mics and you just kind of hit, like, like a writer's block? Because I'm like, damn, man, we're like... You you felt like you were you were going like this, and then you kind of kind of plateaued. Has that ever happened? Did you ever get that feeling and stuff like that? Or? Oh yeah, dude, that still happens, man. I I'm I would venture to say I'm really going through one right now where it's like nothing's really sticking, and like it's I I I what I have found when you're going through this quote block is just to break through it, and don't use the writer's block as an excuse not to write. But it's really just muscling through those moments, you know, um, and writing anyway. 
literally like 80% of what you create is not going to be kept. I'm a, I'm yeah. a big believer in the 80, 20 rule where literally only 20% of what I create is actually in the final product. So with the writer's block, it's just part of the job is writing. Part of the job is still like performing and it's, in my personal experience, it's kind of come in waves where I'll have a block for, I mean, it could be a month. And then all of a sudden I'll have like a big breakthrough where like two weeks I'm super creative and I found a bunch of new material. And then I may, it may like kind of back off a little bit. And it, it kind of comes in waves where jokes will sometimes all form like very quickly. And others, it's like I had to muscle out. But I think staying consistent because writing is a muscle for sure. Mm. The more you do it, the stronger it's going to get. So even in those moments where you're like, I'm not inspired or whatever, it's like I still force myself to at least go through the motion just for the discipline of it, you know. But nobody's immune to that, dude. I even hear veteran comics struggle with it. And they've I've had some advice, you know, that it's like if you're having writer's block, just get out of your material. Um, Go to the park. Uh, you see some dude walking his dog, write jokes about that dude walking his dog. You know, mm-hmm. you you go to a museum, write jokes about the artwork you're seeing. So sometimes we get blocked because we're thinking in the same like block and it just gets mm-hmm. kind of just rigid. Start writing about things that aren't even material. You know, just think outside of just, well, I have this joke about my family. I'm really trying to iron out, but it's like, no, maybe... My lamp is whack. Let me just write something about my lamp just to write something funny that may not make it to the stage, but it's just, I think, thinking outside of the box will help overcome the block as well. Yeah. Are you going to say, like, do you, because um, what I know, when I stopped, well, since I've been on night shift and not going on as much, not getting as much stage time, it affected my writing. Are you like that too, like, like you get off stage and then you just like you get like a a wave of like creativity has ever happened to you. Like me when I kill, like when I kill and I'm on my ride home, no. I'm my brain is racing. Yeah, like you're Superman. Miles an hour. Oh yeah, you're I'm like recording everything. <laughs> and then when I bomb, it's more like I'm obsessing over every little thing I did wrong. Yeah. Like, oh, I did it did this? Why did I do that? So it's, I don't come up with nothing new, but I, I get like more, like I get very, I uh, criticize myself a lot. Oh. Even on stuff that worked before. I'm like, damn, what, what did I do different then? You know? Yeah, you'll doubt everything. When you bomb, you like you end up doubting. You're like, oh, why am I even doing comedy? Like that joke killed. <laughs> and you're like, I hate that joke now, man. And nobody's immune to failure, dude. I mean, Chappelle got booed just like a couple years ago. You know what I'm saying? So like... <laughs> everybody bombs. That's why on my show that, you know, I ask every comedian a story of like getting booed or just an epic bomb just because everybody goes through this. And I think it really helps comedians to understand they're not alone and they're like, oh man, I had this really bad show and I was sad for like a week. Everybody goes through that, dude. I used to literally, if my opening joke didn't work, I would quit on the set. I would turn around, start rubbing the wall and be like, well... Whatever, like, (laughs) dude, I had some hurdles to overcome, and bombing won't. I've, I I mean, I'll have bombs still where I'm like, oh man, and I I will be like depressed about it, but it may only last 
like an hour or so instead of like a week or depending on the scale of it, I'm able now to just add, have perspective in it, you know, yeah. and that look at the positives. Hey, I got to perform. Hey, I got to try that new joke. Hey, it didn't work. Or just really focusing on the positive of the bomb and not just right. the world hates you because at the end of the day, nobody really cares. You're, you're yelling yeah. into a microphone. Nobody cares that yeah. you bombed. They already forgot you bombed. But to you, it's like the end of the world and you're about to get, you know, sent off to Mars because the entire planet Earth hates you now. It's not... Yeah, yeah, it's it's not serious. But I like what you said after the show. Listen to your set regardless. I, I It's crucial that comedians record their sets. And I even think, in my opinion, listening is writing. So even if you're not writing pen to paper and you're writing a new joke, listening to your set, I count that as writing. You know, I'm really big on just the small victories that add up to the big difference. So it's not every day I'm writing for an hour. Sometimes it's just 10 minutes or sometimes it's just listening to a set. I count all of those little disciplines as a writing session. Cause, and that's what's helped me to develop the discipline on a daily basis is because I do count the... The, the details and not try to romanticize. Well, I have to write four pages or it wasn't writing. No, maybe you write five minutes. Okay, cool. I wrote today. Maybe the next day you write 10 minutes. It's all averages out in the end. But writing is that muscle you have to exercise. So, so what's your writing process like from when you think of something to when it goes on stage? What's like your process? So, you're like, uh-huh. No, I'll go ahead. I'm I'm a big fan of free riding. What's up, Moose? Moose is a he's a friend from high school who's also a hot brethren. Yeah, okay. we've had some people dropping in here, and um, I, I'm big on free riding. So like, I'm big on taking the broad idea if it's an experience or something that happened. I'm big on just free riding about that first, and then right. whittling it down by the details. So what's on the wall? Did you just? Oh, I was like, what is he? Sorry, <laughs> I was I was I was waving at all the people that were in here, and I accidentally flipped my camera. Oh no, that's good practice because I've been starting to do these too. So it is good to wave at everybody that comes in. Yeah. Um. So like I was saying, I'll start broad with just free writing, and I may free write. I mean, just for just for an example, let's say I'll free write a page. I mean, let's say something happens at the job. I'll free write about whatever happened at the job. And then I'll go back and read it and underline anything that sticks out to me that's either um, an interesting thing that happened, uh, a funny phrase, a, a single word. I'll, I'll pick out single words from a free writing session. Sometimes a single word can be the difference between a laugh and a lull. So I, I get it all out and then I start to parse it down detail by detail because a lot of humor is in the details. So a lot of jokes also start out as interesting and not funny. You know, I think Ali Sadiq said that in his interview, where it's like, if you can't be funny, be interesting. So a lot of that can start from your free writing and just, hey, that's an interesting phrase. That's an interesting thing that happened there. It's not funny yet, but something about my sense of humor connected to it. So I think it's important for the comedians to understand, you know, you have a sense of humor. It's like a sixth sense. So use that and follow that impulse and follow that instinct. And don't guess it. Don't second guess it. Just go with that creative burst. 
I'm big on the creative burst and then kind of picking up the pieces as I go back over whatever mess I made. You know what I'm saying? So then from there, once I get the details out, then I'll take those specifics to the stage and I'll talk about those. And then record the set. You listen back on what works or what gets a reaction. You know, sometimes it may not be funny, but it gets a reaction from the audience of like, oh, I feel you. Or they're like, oh. I take all those reactions as data from the audience that they cared enough to react. Hmm. You know, so that means they connected to it in some way that there may be potential for humor there. So once I listen back, then that, that's where the, the refinement process comes in to where, oh, they like this and that, uh, but they didn't like the third one. So is there another third example I could use? Or I'll even sometimes, and you know what, I posted this thing on uh, my YouTube page and then I accidentally deleted my YouTube page. And um, I know, man, it was tragic. So I, I'm in the midst of rebuilding that for the Hot Breath podcast. But it was like a joke evolution where I recorded about six sets and showed the evolution of a joke over time. And where like my examples, my examples will change. So where if I have a joke about cereal, maybe I did, um, I said Rice Krispies, but then I changed it to Chex Mex because that was a funnier word. Or I'll even sometimes ask the audience, you know, um, if I'm trying to work out a joke, I may even ask them, okay, what's your favorite cereal? Or like, what do you like about this cereal? You know, especially in an open mic, it's, it's low risk. But I heard that's something Aziz Ansari would do with his material is if he's working out something, he'll almost like pull the audience when he's working it out and kind of gather data from that as well, which I found to be very helpful. I've heard people say that. Um, uh, and Tremo, he was like, um, yeah, yeah. And he'll get the audience going and he'll have pre-planned stuff sometimes, you know, that he got from doing the crowd work. Mm-hmm. So it's like he'll do a joke and then like let's say he'll, he'll end up doing crowd work and they'll say something and he'll be like, all right. And then he'll know, you know, for next time, oh, I got something, you know, in case, you know, if he sees like a pad. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's dope right there. And I've been practicing on that, getting more uh, interactive with the crowd. I, I just started looking at the crowd. So. <laughs> oh, dude, it's scary, man. Eye contact is something I still struggle with. Like, I'll find myself just just kind of almost glazed over the audience, not really looking and connecting. Like, that's something I've talked to veteran comics about. That They said, you know, it took them years of intentional practice to actually be able to start looking at the audience. But I have heard that when you can overcome that fear of actually staring actually at the audience and staring into their eyes you you almost become more conversational because you're actually talking to people. So yeah. it's tough, dude, yeah. Looking at the audience is no easy yeah. feat. It's I still struggle with that. Yeah, because there was one situation where I was talking about Molly, and there was a crowd that had no idea what was Molly. And if I would have <laughs> been paying attention to the people, I would have heard one of the people say, what's Molly? And luckily, my, my friend was a comedian, He's like, yo, they don't know what Molly is. They ask him what Molly is to kind of help, like, to help me out. Like, he knew I was kind of, yeah, like, while I was struggling with the joke. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and that's because I was pacing 
and just glaring at everybody, like to make it look like I'm giving eye contact, but I'm really not. Yeah, you're like, just, I've, I've yeah. Mastered, <laughs> I've mastered the art of pretending like I'm looking at people. <laughs> I'm like looking past them. I'm looking at their food. I'm looking at chicken fingers. At right. Like, so how long you guys been married? Right, 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 right. And you said you've been yeah. doing it since February? Yeah, February 19th. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I started February 1st, 2010. But, okay. yeah, especially early on, dude, you're thinking and listening to the audience, like looking at the audience is one skill, even listening to the audience and actually saying something and giving their time to respond and letting that moment breathe. Like, for years, dude, I, I would just be worried about what am I saying next? What's my next word? Like, I'm not really listening to the audience on like a, a habitual level. Every now and then you're in the zone and you're like, oh man, I'm clicking. I just figured out comedy. And then you bomb for like three weeks. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like listening to the audience, there's power in that. But that's another thing that just takes time to almost like intentionally be aware of. Like I would, I will have goals for my set where some sets uh, early on, like, a veteran comic told me that younger comics struggle with breathing on stage. They're just like, I gotta get to the next thing, and they don't slow down. There were some open mics where it's primarily comics, and it didn't really, like, there weren't really high stakes. I would physically, like, I would say, I would say something, and then audibly inhale and exhale into the microphone. <laughs> and then say the next thing, like just to create the discipline of reminding myself to breathe on stage because it's breathing really helps yeah. you to kind of get more in flow with the audience. But I still struggle. I mean, that that showcase we did in a Huntsville, you know, it's like a contest and you just want to get up there and murder even someone, you know, who's been doing as long as me. I got out of rhythm with the audience. I was more. I was more worried about just getting all my jokes out and just killing yeah. instead of just being in my own rhythm, which is when you kill the most is when you do slow down and give your jokes time to land. But I was just like, here's a punchline. Here's a punchline. Here's a punchline. Here's a punchline. And I didn't, I didn't do as well as um I thought I could because I was more worried about just regurgitating all these jokes instead of actually, you know, connecting with the audience. So we, I mean, we all struggle with it, man. Yeah, I, I left that a lot of stuff. That that was that place got a little painful because I was I, I, when I was looking at the video, I was like, damn, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> usually, it's usually better. I was like, wow, I, I was like, I was like, all right, I did go with myself. I was like, well, I, I did all right. And then I'm looking at the video. I was just like, I don't know. It feels different when I'm watching the video now. And it was like certain things. I was just like, I felt like I was seeing, I was going too fast. Like you said, the whole breath thing. Yeah, man. I was trying to fit all my jokes in, making sure I get all my jokes. Yeah. That I wasn't pacing myself and taking my time. Yeah, I think that's a crucial note. You almost prepare for under. So if, if the set is five minutes and you know, a contest, especially like you want to make sure you, sometimes you need to end right at five. But even open mics, you don't want to run the light. You know, you want to honor the light. So if it's a five-minute set, prepare for 4.30. Like, prepare under, because that'll give you time and leeway for whatever unexpected thing happens. It'll give you time to 
a lot for that and not feel rushed. Like, oh, that joke got a applause break where it usually doesn't. I better rush the rest of my material. No, it's all that time is built in. So it may say five minute set, but really like make it like a four and a half minute set and it will breathe out into a five minute set. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting in a bad habit now because it started working for me a little bit where um, if I freestyle stuff, or if I just make a comment on a joke after, uh-huh. whether it if it bombs, I do it. If it gets a really good laugh and I can add something else to it, I do it and usually get something out of it. But I realize it could turn like a two-minute joke to like a three-and-a-half-minute joke doing that shit because I'm doing it a lot. Mm. I'm doing it. I'm trying to get out of that habit where I'm just adding tags or just trying. Like I, I, I'm thinking it might be good to be in the moment more and comment like I just cut like try to be more involved with it but I I don't plan I never put that in my um, thoughts and like all right I'm gonna work on these jokes and try to work with the audience you know I'm like I'm gonna do all these jokes and work with the audience and do it in 10 minutes and, mm-hmm. and kill yeah and kill right right <laughs> I think it's important yeah it's <laughs> I think, uh, and this was something I would make early on, where if a joke didn't work, I would always have to comment on it. I think it's mm-hmm. always good, just keep going. Like, the the negative, like, it may get a laugh in that moment, but, like, it's not helping in the long run. Like, if a joke doesn't work, force yourself to be in that uncomfortable moment and just keep moving forward. The audience doesn't know a joke bombs unless you tell them. Mm-hmm. So just keep yeah. going, man. Like that's something I had to overcome is just just keep pressing on. But if you if a joke does work and you feel inspired in that moment, by all means, yeah, see if you can find some tags in there. You know, it's an open mic. If it's not a sh- if as long as it's not like a showcase, you know what I mean. Then you know, do what you're there to do. But uh, open mic and stuff, yeah, feel free. That's the driving range. You know, swing away. But what I found in the on the improv side is that the more prepared I am the more I'm able to improvise because I have like the material and the preparation to fall back on. Some comedians are like, Oh, I only write on stage and I just talk and it's magic. And I'm just, okay, we'll see how far that gets you. Like at some point, you know, there's, there's some discipline involved that a lot of, a lot, a lot of comedians want to try to like overcome, but, and just kind of do a shortcut where I just talk on stage and it's magic. And then I'll just do that over and over again. It's like, I mean, you can't outsmart the work, you know. What I found to get the most results is preparing before the show, and then that helps me perform on the show, and then also reflecting on that performance after the show. That's, you know, that's just that's just my personal system and what I've learned from successful comedians. You know, I take advice from comedians where I look at where they are, and I was like, oh, would I like to be there at that point in their career and things like that, so... Mm-hmm. Some people have advice for you, and it's like a 70-year-old a dude who's been doing comedy 20 years, still at the same open mic as you, not out on the road, not doing it. And he's like, let me tell you something. It's like, you know, take the advice with a grain of salt, you know what I'm saying, of, with that context of the source. Yeah. So speaking of like, what, what comedians um, influence you? What were some of your uh, – who was who your Mount Rushmore comics? That's yeah. Um, yeah. Four overall go to. Oh, 
Yeah, it's so tough with comedy because there's so many. You know, there's so many. I mean, uh, you know, I could say like a like Seinfeld is dope and like Carol Burnett is really funny. And I mean, if I were to do the Mount Rushmore, though, I'd have to. I mean, number one, Steve Martin. Yeah, you guys, right? Steve, Steve Martin is uh, I my personal. He's my personal favorite. I think Steve Martin is my personal favorite. Um, George Carlin, because really of his versatility. I like Steve Martin because he kind of created comedy without the punchline. And his whole system, if you haven't read his book, Born Standing Up, or listened to it on tape, it's dope. But his whole thing was, instead of cueing the audience with a punchline, he would almost let the audience decide where to laugh. And that's where he built his comedy around. It was almost like a reverse engineer, like anti-punchline it was and he was the first comic <laughs> to sell out arenas like he was ahead of his time in a lot of ways um george george carlin because he had such a versatility where he could do topical humor he could get dark he could do silly wordplay like he really in in terms of like comedy writing he had every skill set he had all he the whole swiss army knife of comedy writing he had down pat um Richard Pryor, just I mean, you know, just I mean, his honesty on stage and right. his ability to perform and the characters and the act outs is just one of those I could never get bored watching. Um, in my personal opinion, you know, I said my favorite Steve Martin, but in my opinion, man, I think the goat is Chappelle. I mean, he's he's just he's just I mean. When you when you look at the work, when you look at what he's doing, man, I can't. I after seeing his last two Netflix specials, I was like, he's the goat. I bow. Like, what he's doing, man. It's last four. Last. Yeah, four. I mean, the, yeah, the last four. <laughs> but just how quick. But the, the last two were definitely the, the two before that weren't as good as the last two, which is mind blowing because he has classics beyond that. Yeah. Chris Rock. Yeah, Chris Rock's another one. He's another one, but Tambourine and Kill the Messenger. Tambourine was better, but Kill the Messenger, it was just, I don't know. Uh, uh, Kevin Hart, he's, he's a, I think he's like a pop star comic. You know, mm. he's he's funny, but I, I, he can't, I don't think he could fuck with a Chappelle or a George Carlin or Pryor as far as like their level of writing, yeah, sure. creativity, and like Chappelle, uh, he's, I like him a little better. Like Carlin used to be my goat, but Chappelle passed him um, after like the whole um, the show thing when he left the show. Uh huh. I started paying attention to what this guy was saying. Yes. And he was just like. Then I became a fan of the person. Uh huh. And then like the inside the actor studio. Yeah. And there's there's a there's a, a video of him on YouTube. It's like a four hour set. It's actually longer, but it's only four-hour video of him at the comic strip. For I've like seen three that. Four in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You've seen that? Yeah. When he starts off talking about Mel Gibson. Dude, he goes like Mel into Gibson. weird. Dude, he is amazing because yeah. he'll pull you in and like take you to the top, and you're going and you're going and like like the whole thing. If you're not gonna be funny, be interesting. Yes. Interesting. He'll pull you up and then he'll just let go. And it's just the fucking greatest thing ever. 
uh, you know, then uh, something, 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 Barack Obama, like that right there. It's like, he's taking you on a serious thing. He's like, in this whole time, who knew that their one weakness would be people kneeling? And it was just like, yo, he took you on this historical ride just to make fun of this kneeling thing. Like, he wasn't going, you would think he was going to go somewhere, like, deep in He's like, no, it's a fucking kneel. He's like, that's their one weakness. Is brilliant. Yeah, that special really like that's what put him on goat status for me. He was always one of the best, but just seeing the amount of work he's been able to generate throughout his career and like how almost everything he's done is almost like a greatest hits. It's you yeah. just gotta bow at some point, you know what I mean? I got to see him. Um I saw him I actually saw him. Well, there was one night, one of my best nights in comedy. This was before the whole Bill Cosby controversy, but I went to a Bill Cosby show at eight. Bill Cosby did like two hours, like it was not like it was like, and like I didn't even look at my watch. Like I looked down, and it was like ninety minutes later, and I was like, "What just happened?" Like it that was amazing to watch. And then um at and then that night, Chappelle was in Atlanta. And he had, he did like an early show and a late show, and I actually went to watch his late show. So I saw Cosby and Chappelle on the same night, and I was just like, "Holy comedy royalty!" But um, <laughs> yeah, he um, uh, but like he um, last time I was in L.A., Chappelle dropped by the. Uh, the comedy store and just riffed for like an hour just on stage just chilling not really doing material but still being interesting and it's cool just to see him you know i saw him at the tabernacle here in atlanta but then to see him at like the comedy store and just like a club just straight just chilling but still killing you, you never forget those moments you know Ooh, ooh, wrap it up you know you right now. It's, it's, there he is we back we out back, here we back gucci gang beginning of the end no doubt, man. It's Saturday night. You got me up here almost 11.30 out here all for the comedy grind, my man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I've, I've done one for like 2 in the morning once. <laughs> and, and the first one got deleted. That was the one that got deleted. Uh, dude, you got to record these, man. This is a podcast. Yeah, dude. Um, you got somebody. I am what up? Star. What up, Shea Star? Hey. Oh, why is that name familiar? I've seen, I've seen her name before. She's a familiar. She's familiar. She's a personality. She's like a oh, radio DJ. Person. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's probably that's probably why. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. Plug your stuff, man. Talk your shit. Yeah, man. JoeByersComedy.com. Really, the main thing, dude. It's uh, the podcast, Hot Breath Podcast. That's that's like that's my baby. You know. You can go to my website to check out my schedule, and I do have an online podcasting course you can take as well, but most of all, it's about supporting Hot Breath Pod, man. It's um, it's all about comedy mastery. That's my passion, is learning from comedy's best, you know. I've interviewed Carlos Miller, Ari Spears, Bo Burnham. I mean, there's over 150 episodes, man. You've reached out to me, telling me all this stuff you've learned in them, which I really appreciate, and that... That's why I'm doing this, man. Because you, you, uh, you're taking comedy seriously. You're you're early in the game, but you've got good intentions, and that's why I was willing to take time with you. So, followers should definitely keep supporting it. you, man. And you should turn this. This is a podcast. I don't. 
I'm not gonna lie, I've been recording this one, so I can send you the audio, or I'm gonna post it the hot breath, but we're getting this out for the people one way or another, man. I appreciate it, man, I appreciate it, man. I wish I wish I record, you know, it's funny, when I did the, the, the short one right after, I did a quick one before this, it gave me the option to save, but it didn't give me an option to save the longer one. Oh, weird. Yeah, I was I was kind of, so I actually screenshot it, so I'm gonna double check, because I might have just been like, wow, 23 people, Keep doing this, man. Keep doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you got any shows coming up? Um, let me see. Um, yeah, I'm booked. Um, next, yeah, I'm, Friday I got a show. Next Friday. Um, I'll be doing shows around the city this week, though. I mean, I'll be doing some open mics. You know, if I'm not usually, if I'm not really booked throughout the weekends, I'll do more open mics during the week. But if I am booked during the weekends, then I'll be more at home during the week. Just because, you know, I got, I got a wife and a dog. You know, I'm a trophy yeah. husband. So, you know, yeah. we got to balance it. Yeah. But, is, there, do they, is there open mics on Saturdays out there? There's no open mics on Saturdays, mm, right? In the afternoon, there's a 420 show you'd probably really like. That, uh, it's, yeah, because... Honestly, I might go out there. I have a show. I'm doing uh, Mandel's, um, uh, it's, uh, man, at the, uh, uh, Atlanta Brewing Company. What, uh, is that the 24th? Yeah, the 24th. Dope. So I'm going so to be out there. So I was trying to see if this, so there's an open mic at 4 o'clock. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's one at 4 o'clock as well. Yeah. That's the only one I can think oh. of off the jump. All right, all right. Yeah, because I'm, I'm still out there. <laughs> drive out there from Huntsville. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's on the car too, so I'm going up there with him. So I was gonna try to try to uh get a taste for Atlanta before I do the main show and see <laughs> see what I'm gonna get myself into. That's a good one to um that's a good one to uh reach out. Let me um I'm not sure who runs that now. I can find out and get you in contact with him though to let him know you're coming through Huntsville to be sure to give you a spot, you know? I appreciate it, appreciate it man. Yeah, man. And, um, yeah, maybe I'll see you at that show. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. It's my first time actually telling in Atlanta. I've drove, I've driven through there, but I've never stopped. Like, besides getting gas. Oh, uh, that's awesome, dude. This is going to be a big... These are those milestones in your career you'll never forget. Yeah, man. Same thing with Nashville. No, I've never... I've actually... Went to a couple mics there. Actually, been to Chattanooga. Uh, yeah, so it's just definitely a fun experience. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, yo, if you're watching this, go listen to this guy's podcast. Especially if you're a comedian. Yes. If you're a comedian. Listen to this guy's podcast. There's a bunch of people on there. Um, he has a podcast class. And comedian, it's like now like. Comedian and podcast, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, you need—I don't care who you are—you need a podcast. It's like practice. You're practicing this, like you said, mm-hmm. language, talking and stuff. And um, yeah, I suck at talking. I'm retarded, so I'm trying to. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the spectrum. Whatever. Come on now. Politically correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm working it out. New York has no PC now, even though it's more conservative now. Growing up, it was just like the least amount of PC ever, so um, I have no filter. 
But yeah, um, yeah, the the podcast class. Um, did you did you talk about that in detail? Did you want to like uh, promote that a little more? Um, uh, no, I mean it's you know you can check it out all through my website. You know, I mean it's just people. Everybody you have wants online to, classes. Yeah, it's an online you one. Do you like it's online? Oh, it's not it's not an actual. I do, I, I do one in person, but the one most people, if they're not based in Atlanta, would want to jump on is the online one. But it's all, you yeah. know, I mean, it's just all the fundamentals. Of, you know, I've been doing podcasting over three years, so a lot of people are just now trying to get into it, and then you Google how to start a podcast, and it's like 500 million results. So this is just kind of like a one-stop shop to kind of have all your questions answered. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I might have to... I might have to support the class one day uh or if you have any questions you know i'm happy to answer any questions people have as well so holla at your boy yeah yeah definitely will man because like i said man this the, the interview with you and Tremo, man i was like i didn't pause it i started playing it and usually i have add and i have to stop or somebody says something Ooh. and play i played it all the way through i might have stopped like if i had to like go east on it but like i played it all the way through, finished it, and then when I then I started following you, and then when I saw the Ali Sadiq, I was like, "Oh, it's the guy from prison." And then I was like, "Oh, he probably talks about this shit. I don't really know much about him." Uh-huh. And I went to it. Same thing. I, at work, I listened to. It. I'm not even supposed to be on my phone and listen <laughs> to it. I fucking hit my Bluetooth. I have uh, these headphones, whatever. Uh-huh. I hit it in my hard hat, in the in the, the earmuff, and was just listening to the podcast at work. And it was just like stuck, and I was just like, "All right, now I gotta go listen to the first one because that's where he talks about the prison, the prison shit." And I was just like, "So I listened to both of them back to back, one after another, and then just been dabbling here and there." So I was just like, "All right, anything to keep my attention is interesting to me," and that's that's why I, I reach out to people that get my interest. Mm-hmm. I don't go for people that oh, this one has a following, this one has this. It's people that I that I generally want to learn something from, acts from, that I see doing something, I was like, I want to learn that. You know what I mean? I respect what they're doing. I, I love the hustle. You know, the, I love I love the art. You know what I mean? Like, you actually treat it like an art form. Yeah, man. I love the support, not dude. Not only the podcast, yeah. Your feedback really is my fuel, dude. That, uh, that, that made me, uh, that made, I almost teared up a little bit, all this, all that, all that help it's actually giving you, man. <laughs> I, I told myself that uh, like like a month or two and after doing comedy, uh, one of my friends, uh, the comedian Hollywood from from Birmingham, but he he's like he's starting to like get around now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He um, one this other comedian who was just starting off a little like me made the mistake of asking him, "Hey, what did you think of my set?" Knowing he completely bombed. He bombed, bombed, bombed. Like it wasn't because, you know, he forgot stuff. He was bouncing around. It was just a mess. Mm-hmm. Not saying like you know, I choked, you know, at a competition. So, not to say like you know, but he had the nerve to ask him, "Hey, how you think I did?" Savage. And he said, "He's like, you weren't there on stage. You didn't see what happened. Like you weren't there." And I was like, I respected his honesty so much. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to tell people like, oh, I like this. Oh, yeah, you know, like, I'm not going to give people feedback just because. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Like, oh, hey, which, hey yeah, it was all right. Like, if I'm, if I have like, yo, listen, 
There's something there, man. There's something there. There's something there with your body. Obviously, man, you, you know, I don't got to tell you that shit, man. Look at your No, I need to hear that, man. Roster, man. Look what you're doing, man. I appreciate it, man. Please. I, 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 you're, you're making me feel like like a, like a five-year-old right now doing this interview. I'm like, I, I don't even know how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I got my word. <laughs> but yeah, man. Dude, thank you, man. I seriously, dude, keep I keep it coming, man. I need the feedback. That's how we're gonna build this thing, you know. Cause you know I'm starting yeah, to roll out more content. You know now I'm posting like three episodes a week, so like that feedback is what's giving me the drive and the direction yeah. to know what to post and what people are looking for. You know. Yeah. This this guy actually said, um, uh, damn, what's his name? Damn, for whatever. But he was like, you do anything for five years. He's like, just do it. But he's like, you're going to sound dumb. You're going to look dumb. Uh -huh. But just keep doing it. After five years, you'll start finding a comfort zone. Like, after your five years. And I'm just like, that, that does, you know, that does kind of, like, make sense. It might be different for different people. But I'm just like, I've never kept a job for more than five. I've never kept a job for more than two years. The longest thing I've ever did is sell drugs. And so it's just like, <laughs> I got good at it. Because the longer I did it, the thing that sucks is it's illegal. So no matter how good you are, you're going to fucking, it's going to, you know. But I understand the whole thing. And it's just like, you see your progress from year one to year three. Yeah, man. And then your progress from year one to year eight. So I'm just like, that, that, that time, the 10,000 hours, you've heard that before, right? Facts. Uh, it's truth. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah, I, I learned that from uh, the Mastery book, Robert Greene, Mastery. Uh-huh, yeah. Ever, uh, read his stuff? I haven't read his uh, stuff. Four Year Laws of Power. I just got this one, though. The Laws of Human Nature. Oh, yeah. I'm, um, you know, mine's, mine's actually by my bed right now. Um, it's the, uh, the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. It's a John C. Maxwell book. It's good, dude. Yeah, it's... I've read Maxwell stuff before. Yeah, his, I've read yeah. His this one's all about like growth mindset, but then how to actually achieve it and then actually act on it. You know, it's, I'm almost done with it. I'm, I'm just going to read it again. I'm going to read it. I'm just going to run it right back. Cause it's, it's been one of the best books I've ever read. And it's been very helpful and just thinking beyond. And you know, the podcast has really started to take off as I've read it too, because I'm starting to think beyond it being a podcast, but an actual network, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it really helps you to really think outside of what is like realistic and uh, kind of walk yeah. into your purpose. Like I, instead of hot, hot breath podcast, hot breath comedy, where it's just. Yeah, it's a hot breath network. Podcast, yeah. Yeah. And there's a whole vision. You, you, ever, you ever heard of Opie and Anthony? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Opie and Anthony? Like those guys off of their radio show were doing massive tours. You know what I mean? That's yeah. where Bill Burr, that, that whole booing rant thing, where in Philly, yeah. it was like their stuff. These guys were selling out arenas and stadiums just off their radio show. And they were bringing their comedy friends along with them. It's like, hey, Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, Jim Norton, come on, guys. And just having these amazing shows. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm, that's what Loudmouth is. Like, that's my own little thing, Loudmouth Comedy. And uh, that's that, that. This is what this guy. This is kind of like a precursor. This oh, is Bruce Davis. Is my cousin's thing. But uh huh. Mine's gonna be uh, 
a, a weed bud instead of a beer hops because their thing is beer. Oh, okay. <laughs> thing, I, I have like the whole layout. I'm just waiting on the design, man. I'm, I, I got people working on it, but I don't want to rush them. I want to rush them. I want to be like, hey, man, hurry up. All right. And I, I even want to be at the point like, hey, listen, if I give you this much more money, or if I give, can you can you get it done quicker? But I'm just like, all right. Like you said, like, hey, man, you got to be, don't be annoying. Don't be an annoying coworker. Yeah, especially so like, just, like you're learning to set deadlines up front too of like, okay, when can I expect this? Instead of just like yeah. guessing, because now you're like, well, yeah. when? But it's like, if they said two weeks, it's like, okay, after two yeah. weeks, I have an excuse to follow up with them, you know? So you learn all that at the beginning when you're talking and negotiating. It's like, okay, how much, when can I expect this? And like getting all those details out up front will help the, I've been exactly where you are right now where you're like, all right, where is it? But you don't want to be annoying and then them not, then resent it and not get it done, you know? So, but you know, you hired them to do a job. So you have a right to know when you're going to get that, return on your money that's 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 the thing that's the thing uh one of them is getting paid for it the other one is a family member so well yeah you yeah yeah so it's just like but the one no no the actually one is doing it for a favor the family member is actually i'm 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 gonna give them both money none of them actually ask me for money but i'm gonna give them money after they give it to me you know what i'm saying Uh because i'm like if i give them if i pay them for it then it's just like well, I paid you. And then also I can pay them depending on the work, too. <laughs> we didn't agree on money in this tip space. But, um, but yeah, but my point whole thing was, like, I, I want it to be something where, who knows, like, you know, you got dry bar comedy, you know, where it's just, like, they have this whole thing where they're actually going on tour now. And it's just, like, they don't need Netflix. They didn't need The Tonight Show and all these people. They had Facebook. Right. So it's just, like, maybe this, you know, my open mic, loudmouth comedy open mic can turn into loudmouth podcast or, you know, loudmouth comedy where I'm just like, hey, I'm getting all these people that I know are dope. I'm getting my own production equipment, filming it, putting it on Facebook. Facts. Yeah, do it, man. It's like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like uh, some ideas, you know, a little brainstorming. But, you know, we're going to wrap this up. I keep forgetting, man. We're getting you guys that hour ahead. But, yeah, Joel Byers, Dude. High Breath Podcast, man. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Um, we'll definitely see each other during this journey, man. No doubt, no doubt. But, Gio. Uh, man, stay up, man. Hey, keep grinding, up, Gio. Keep grinding, man. Hey, brother, man. I like... Oh, you cut out there. We're, like, trying to say peace bye. Up. All right, peace out, man. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, you hang up first. Bro. You hang up. <laughs> There you go, Hot Breath of Earth. That's part of the comedy grind. I'm out here on a Saturday night. It's 11.40. And we out here talking to the Hot Breath of Earth. Thank you. Shout out to Geo, man. Definitely go support this young cat in the comedy game out there in Huntsville. We out here supporting each other, man. That's what this whole community is about. So anything I can do to help you guys along the way, please don't hesitate to reach out. I love your feedback. Like I said in this, I don't know if I heard that somewhere and just adapted it, but... Your feedback is my fuel, so the network is all about us learning from each other and building together, so the more we can do that, the more successful we'll all become, so thanks for listening to this, I appreciate all your time, and um, 
Keep on grinding, hot brethren. <sighs> so real quick, in this quick outro, I hope you guys found that valuable. If you know a comic who you think could learn from that, share it with them, tag them on social media, on Facebook, whatnot. Let's build the network out. Those of you that support, I greatly appreciate it. We're building this together, and if you'd like to take the support to a new level, I know as we call ourselves the Hot Breathiverse, I do have merch for sale to help almost unite the Hot Breathiverse in our uniform, if you will. So I'll link that in the show notes if you're interested in picking up a hoodie or t-shirt or sticker or whatnot. So it all comes down to this, Hot Brethren and Sistren. We're all in this together. We're all learning comedy together, so the more we can come together, I think the more impact we can have, not only on our own personal comedy journeys, but on a collective comedian collective. I don't think that's a catchy one. A collective comedian collective. <laughs> but anyway, I actually just saw I got a DM from a very promising interview. Um, I mean, I'll just tell you because you guys are loyal. Um Beth Stelling uh, responded to my DM. Hi, sometimes I'm lazy and want to sleep in and do nothing. Ha, when and where is the pod? So that's a promising one. That's an exclusive that only you get for subscribing on iTunes and listening to these. So that's very exciting. Uh, I interviewed Brandon T. Jackson last night in one of the most bizarre interviews I have ever done. But you guys are really going to enjoy it. I think what I want to do for the rest of the year is almost play the greatest hits of Hot Breath. Sorry, I told you this outro was going to be quick, but it, it's almost over. But I really would appreciate your insight on this. It's almost like the greatest hits of 2018, and then start rolling out new ones at the beginning of the year. The new interviews. I'll keep rolling out additional content like this, but maybe just almost do a greatest hits. I wish there was a way to help people to vote for their favorite of 2018. I mean, I guess I'll post it on social media, but if you guys know of a better, more efficient way to survey people, so maybe I can get a more um, condensed feedback, I'm all ears. But um, I'm going to respond to Beth's message, see if we can make something happen this weekend. But hope wherever you're out there, keep grinding everybody. It's not easy, but it is worth it. And there's only one thing left to do. Right here on Hot Breath. <sighs> <sighs>